0: Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. This couple on today, I'm so excited about their story. They reached out to us from Wisconsin and just through applying to be on the show, told me a little bit about the struggle that they've been through as a couple. And through a lot of loss, they found themselves on the adoption journey. And so we're excited to have Ryan and Nicole to the show. Ryan, thank you for being here. Nicole, thank you.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: So how did you hear about us?
1: Well, interesting story, but I, part of our, um, I don't know what number it is, fourth time, fifth time, we had to renew our home study. There's, uh, requirement for training. And part of the, the training I looked at podcasts and trying to figure out what I could do and what I could listen to. And I found, I found this one just by searching for adoption and found a, a story, I guess at the time you had interviewed another couple that had adopted from the VR Congo, And I listened and at the close of that, um, your beautiful boy speaks up and says, if you have a story to tell, let us know. And uh, the story is God's story, and we wanted to share share with it the way that he worked uh, through this journey. And uh, so we applied.
0: That is so exciting to us. And if you're listening from another state, don't be afraid to apply, because even though we're broadcasting from Colorado, we'd love to reach all the different states. We had a couple on from California and Portland, and now um, we're reaching to the Midwest, which is very exciting. And so, we're honored to have you today to kind of open your hearts and tell us your journey about getting your child from the DRC. Let's just talk about the very beginning. You have three biological girls, and you wanted another child. Is that correct? Yes,
2: that is correct. Yes, um, we have three girls, and um, after we um, had our third. Um, we got pregnant again, and we lost that baby. And then a little bit later after that, we had a, got pregnant again and lost another one, and um, and then a third. So after the third loss, um, we just were really praying and asking God what He'd want us to do. We really still felt the need and the desire that God put on our heart to um, have another child. And so we were just praying about the possibility of adoption, and God was working a little more quickly in my heart and I presented this to my husband and he wasn't yet on board because he was still hoping we could have a biological child but we just prayed and um, just sought the Lord and asked him what he wanted us to do and when we knew we would be in unity and on the same page and we knew it was what God wanted us to do
0: that's amazing Ryan how did you get on the same page with her
1: it definitely took me longer. Um, for everything that the doctors said, they're like, we don't see any reason why you couldn't successfully carry another child and deliver. Uh, so I really struggled with with that and uh, continuing to go with the biological route. And but you know, talking with Nicole, uh, praying about it, testing on it, um, we realized uh, and we came to the agreement that. You know, another nine months of stress and worry after the, losing those three in a row, it just wouldn't be possible. Um, so it took me a while to go and switch gears. And then once we saw uh, pictures and we read stories of adoption, and um, my heart just opened up to it. And God spoke through those things to my soul and said, yeah, let's, let's take this, this leap.
0: This is going to encourage other couples right now. Maybe the wife is saying, "I really think we need to pursue adoption and she's feeling like I don't know if my husband is ever going to change his heart." And it is possible. God does change hearts, and especially through stories. So when you hear other somebody else's story or you hear about a child, you know, God can work in so many different ways. I like what you said, Ryan, when you said you switched gears because it's not easier or harder to choose adoption. I just Mm -hmm. think it's a different mindset. Both of them um, take a toll on your body. Both of them Mm -hmm. are very difficult. um, And and both Mm -hmm. can really, you can see loss in both of the journeys. And so Mm -hmm. one is not greater than the other or easier or harder. But Mm -hmm. I like what you said. So you're switching gears and you're going to go into adoption. Why did you choose to go overseas?
2: Our desire to do that was a couple of reasons. We had some missionary friends who were from Uganda And they had also adopted a a young girl and um, shared a little bit of their story with us. And that kind of opened our eyes. And then the need for how many orphans there are overseas and especially in Africa, the need in the majority of little ones under the age of 15 that are orphans and because of the AIDS crisis and multiple other reasons, poverty and other things like that, there are just so many who need a loving family to um, take care of them. So that were our those were the main reasons why we went overseas.
0: Okay, so how do you start that process in Wisconsin? Do you find an agency here or over there?
2: We we first have a home agency, so we found a local agency and we started doing the home study process and um, doing classes and education and going through background checks and a whole lot of a lot of paperwork. And then after that, you have to find an an international agency that will work with the country that you're interested in. And when we started, we were looking at Uganda. And so we found an agency that works with Uganda. So we had two agencies, one for home and one for the international part.
0: Okay, so after everything is done on this side, on state side, then you go to the international agency. And let's say everything's done there. How long do you wait to be matched to a child?
2: So we waited after we finished all that process. We waited for almost two years to be matched with a child. And after that, we, as we were waiting, we got a phone call saying that there was a situation that happened in the country um, with our agency and with some children that were being put up for adoption that weren't. The parents did not understand fully that they were putting their children up for adoption. They were thinking that maybe they were going to go to the orphanage. A lot of them do that. Sometimes I've seen um, that they just want to be cared for. And sometimes the parents come and visit them on the weekend. And, um, uh, but they did not understand they were putting this up for adoption. So it stopped an already really slow process to almost a dead standstill. And then we had to make a decision and pray and ask the Lord, really, Lord, are you stopping us in this process? Or are you wanting us to persevere? in Uganda with this agency, or do you want us to go with another country? And so we prayed and um, sought the Lord, and he was telling us to go with, with a different country. And we started our process with the Democratic Republic of Congo.
0: This is what I don't understand, is if in Africa, like you said, there's all these orphans, there's all these children that need homes, and you waited on a list for two years, and then Uganda closed because they felt that, Essentially, they were stealing children from parents mm-hmm. who wanted their children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just seems like, and I've lived in Uganda for three years, so I kind of understand mm-hmm. a little bit. Seems like a crazy story.
1: It is. It absolutely
0: is. I mean, did you feel like the agency was being completely honest with you?
2: That is, hard. I find that hard to say. It's hard to say. It's hard to say because as, you know, as we get further in my story, being in Africa and kind of seeing as you have been in Africa, how things work it's very tricky with governments and people communication local people it's it's very great it's very great so i can't say if i 100% believe that everybody is 100% honest with with everything um i think they try to do the best they can with what they have so um but it was just a very unfortunate situation that's
0: what I think is hard to understand when you have only been adopting on the state side, is that okay. we we go through a really hard time with domestic adoption here. But if things go wrong, you can go to the agency and say, you know, I don't agree with this. And there are rights that you have mm-hmm. overseas. It's totally different. The government can make decisions and you have no control. They can tell you a story that's absolutely not true, Mm -hmm. and you are forced to believe that story, or you cannot believe it, but that's your story. I mean, that's just what they're going to tell you. They have control that way, and I think if you're preparing to go overseas, you just have to think that through. Can our family get through that? Can we work with that? Because you can have a successful adoption, absolutely. It's just a lot of craziness that you have to go through to get to that place. Absolutely. So you guys have waited two years, no child, and you no, decided no, to go to a different no. country. Did you lose your money?
1: Uh, yep, every cent of it.
0: No, you lost your yeah. money, all of it?
1: All of it, we had to start from scratch.
0: At this point, what was your family saying to you? Um, uh, we... Uh, what were we thinking? Was that what the question? What were we thinking? Well, what were you thinking? But what were your fam? What was your family, your friends, your church, or oh, were oh, other people? yes,
2: family, everybody. Um, they, they, I would say it's hard for us to articulate the people who are going through the process, the people who don't, who aren't doing it themselves. To it's first off a crazy concept that you're doing this process. First off, everybody can't get over the money, the time, the effort and um how much it costs and just all that it does to your family um if you're not called to do that it's very hard to understand it and so they start to just uh, we've had just lots of people say well i could never do that i could never do that i'm glad that you know i could never do that put that money towards it through that, that time the energy the stress i could never but if god calls you to do it He will equip you with what you need to do it and give you the grace to do it because, um, we went through the, this has been the craziest situation, but God has given us grace to do it. And we can see now it's just share what He's done. So a lot of comments of, I can't believe you're doing it. A lot of, um, are you sure this is the right thing? Is God telling you to stop the process? Um, those were some of the things. And that's why from the beginning to end, we started in prayer. And that's where it's always been centered on God and what does He want? And that's why that was really crucial for us to pray again. We said, God, is this a stop sign? Is this mean stop and be done? Or do we go ahead and with people praying with us and for us and um, coming around side of us, and Ryan and I being in unity, we felt that we should go to a different agency and start the process over.
0: Ryan, was there ever any point where you thought, maybe we shouldn't be doing this? Because, you know, it took a little bit longer for you to kind of come around. And now, two years later, all this money is gone. You don't have the child. Were you thinking, wait a second?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how you could not. It was, you know, that and like Nicole said, that was the big thing. And I heard it from some family and friends is like, well, it's just God kind of closing the door uh, when all that happens. And, you know, of course, my mind went there, too. I'm like, God, is this? Really, you, you put it on our heart to go this far and then just kind of say no and thanks for playing. Uh, and I just I had a hard time believing that he would, you know, he would call me and change my heart um, to do this and that would be the end of the road. Um, but so, like Nicole said, it was a lot of prayer um, and just feeling both of us, and all like our girls even, of... No, we we are still feeling like our son is out there somewhere waiting for us. We can't stop now.
0: It's a great point, just that you knew you had a calling to do it. It's deep in your heart and you can't give up. That's something that people don't understand sometimes is that it's a calling to adopt. It really is because mm-hmm. it is war. You're fighting for this child to go in a different direction. You're literally saving a child from the grave. Mm -hmm. Now, as adoptive parents, we don't like when people say, you saved that child. It's like, well, no, really the child saved us. I mean, we're all in it together and we needed each other and we were meant to be a family. But when you're fighting, you really are saying, God, please give me this child and let's have their future go in your direction. And that can be Mm -hmm. all war. I'm telling you, I I understand that. And so I understand that feeling of, do we pick up and fight or do we just kind of walk the other direction? Mm -hmm. So you guys knew it was a call. Let's talk about your girls really quick. How old are they right now after the two-year process? Not right now, I'm sorry. In the story, the two years has gone by. What are their ages?
2: Um, They are three, they are six, and they are eight when we are going through this process. So these little girls
0: are first of all they experienced the loss of mm-hmm. you know your children um, as you were pregnant mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. they kind of are waiting for a sibling from Africa and that falls through mm-hmm. how are they doing in this process right now in the story
2: they were really struggling they were really struggling it was it was a very it was it was a key moment in our family a really teachable moment for all of us they were struggling with the point of through our losses, why didn't God answer our prayers when we prayed for a healthy baby? And why didn't he answer our prayers the way we were expecting? Why did it happen again and again and again? And then now when this happened with Uganda, it felt just like another loss, like I lost another baby. And um, the hope of a baby and your heart um, longs for that and, and it feels that same longing as when you're pregnant. Um, it's just a different kind. And so, they were they were they were hurting. They were hurting. They were asking a lot of tough questions. They were asking why would God like this? Um, why is it so hard? Why why when we're praying, doing all the things it says in the in the Bible to do, why is it not working out the way it should? And these are really tough theological questions that my children were asking us. And we just had to just be rooted on what God says, that He knows the big plan. We don't, and we trust Him to, to lead us in the right way. We follow, we wouldn't do anything differently. And God has just a different plan for us, and we don't know what it is. But we're going to step forward and take that step, because we do feel God calling us to continue this process of adoption. But there was a lot of hurt, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, and um, a lot of questions you guys kind of went
0: in that gray area. We talk about that a lot in adoption that um, sometimes you can put God into a black and white. Like this This scripture applies to this and this is how we are going to go um, because we believe in, in the word of God and this is what it says and we're going to follow it. In adoption, there's this interesting gray area where all of a sudden, as parents, we don't have the answers and children are asking and we just have to say, we don't have a, a perfect scripture. We don't have the answers, but we're going to have faith and we're going to just believe in God and we're just going to keep pushing forward. And hopefully we'll see his hand through the whole thing. Uh, and as you guys know, you did. But that's really hard as parents to say, oh, girls, I don't. we don't know. We're in the same place you guys are.
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole time I had, I had, they were asking questions that I was asking too. Um, so we really... We struggled together. I think, you know, even Nicole, all of us had those same questions of why God? Why is, you know, why this loss? Why this loss again? Why another, you know? And like you said, there was no, like, key scripture that said, yep, okay, we get it. Totally. It makes sense. Um, It was just that reliance that God, you know, has a plan for us and it is good, even though it might not feel like it at times. So we just... Really throughout this this whole journey um, it we leaned on him and we leaned on each other and grew a lot closer to him and to each other throughout it
0: I like what you're saying about loss not that it's easy but sometimes people have a hard time understanding an adoptive family going through a process and the adoption falls through. For instance, I had that happen several times and I would just grieve and grieve. Mm -hmm. And I had other people say to me, well, I mean, you didn't really have the baby or you weren't pregnant. And because I've never been pregnant, I wasn't able to say, well, I have lost a baby and I've lost this adoption. And so it's very similar, but you have. Mm -hmm. And so can you just speak into that for a minute? You have lost and been, you've been pregnant and lost and you've adopted and lost, what what is that similarity?
2: It's it's the hope. It's the hope of something to come. It's the hope of a child. It's the hope of I'm pregnant and I have this little one in my tummy and I, I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful to see this child grow and come to health and fruition. And same, it's the same thing that applies to adoption. It's the same thing. I have God put this hope, this desire inside of a heart. And we're, we're hoping, we're praying, we're persevering, we're doing all these things we can do to continue the process and when it falls through, it is devastating. It is that same loss that I felt. I felt it four times that I had one before our first daughter too. I, I felt that same exact loss as if I had carried and lost our child, the same exact thing. It was that hope of what was to come, the hope that got put in our hearts, that same desire. for we are wanting it to come and it, and it didn't come. And so it, it, it is an absolute loss and grief and um, questioning. Um, why is this allowed multiple times in a row? What are you saying to us? Um, and yeah, it was a time of wrestling and loss, but it really a big time of digging into Scripture and really saying, what does it say? God never said it was going to be easy. He never said it was going to go the way we wanted. And He sees the big picture. We see the little picture. So just keep on trusting Him. And God, just through this journey, especially the trust factor, all out of your control. I mean, we have complete trust in Jesus Christ and that he knows best no matter how it turns out, good or bad. You know, if we get our child, if we don't, he's still good. His character doesn't change. So that's really something we um, learned through it. I think
0: that you're going to help some families right now who have gone through a loss of adoption and They haven't gotten the support that they needed, possibly from friends or family or their church, and they feel very alone. And so this show is really going to reach out to them and say, you're not alone. There's families and the grief process is the same and the loss is the same and you're not crazy. It's absolutely normal to feel Uh, a heavy sense of sadness, but God's going to carry you through. I can't wait. We got to take a break, but I can't wait to hear the rest of the story when you go to the DRC and the whole process to bringing your son home. So stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back.
2: Fallon's Ranch is
0: tuned to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hi, this is April Fallon with Adoption Now. Mark your calendars to join Adoption Now at the Justice Run, Sunday, October 2nd. Run to fight human trafficking. You can run a 5K, 10K, and don't forget to bring the kids. They have a great kids run, along with a lot of activities like face painting, bouncy castles, and prizes. October 2nd at Hudson Gardens. For more information, go to thejusticerun.com. Adoption Now will be there, and we hope to see you there, too.
1: Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver.
0: Welcome back to Adoption Now, I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Ryan and Nicole. They, through a lot of loss, decided to go into adoption. They went to Uganda, they waited for two years, Uganda closed, so they had to close up that adoption and walk away from that loss. And they've been talking about just how they worked on that through their, with their family, um, with other people in the church, and really staying true to their calling. So they decided now that they're going to go to the DRC, so let's pick up from there. Did you guys have to get an agency over in the DRC? Did you have to redo your home study here in the States? What was that process like?
1: Yeah, we needed to find a new agency that uh, did operate in the DRC. I don't remember where we were at the home study. I know we've renewed it at least four or five times.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of
2: paperwork.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a
0: lot of cleaning your house, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My fingerprints still have dust on them from all the number of times they were fingerprinted, too.
0: Why did you have to do your home study that many times in the background checks?
1: There's a expiration date on them that lasts for a year, and we were in this process oh. for four and a half years. So every year, we got that nice letter in the mail saying, here's all the stuff you have to do again.
0: Wow. Okay, so you're in the DRC. How long did you wait before you were matched?
1: Yeah, let's see we got in what was it was it september i think and we were matched by November Oh, well, it was really fast really fast considering um you know it took two and a half years and we weren't matched in Uganda so basically two months and we were already matched
0: talk about that email
1: oh it's it's funny that you know I don't I guess for other people it's a different story but for us, and in my mind, you know, they, the way they say it is, well, we're going to send you a picture and some information, and you know, you can decide if, if that's your, you know, who you want to get, which is just a weird way to term it. But um, I remember we were in the car for some reason, going somewhere, and we got the the email. I remember looking on Nicole's phone at um, you know, what little information they had. Um, but then you bring up this picture of this little boy, and how can that not be our son? And how, how could you turn that away? Um, so there was a lot of tears. That car was full of emotion. Um, you know, we answered almost immediately, yeah, that's our son.
0: Did you show your girls?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So they were involved right away. Even if it was going to fall through, you showed them.
2: Yes, they were involved in every step of our process. Yes, we had a very open, honest, um, as much as we could um, relationship because they're very much a part of our journey as as we are. So um, they're very much involved with this little boy. And we've been waiting for over two years to be showing a match. Be, Here we have your brother. And yes, they were very much a part
0: of that. Let's talk about the little boy. How old was he? What was his name? What was his background?
2: Um, his name is Amedo. He was almost four years old when we saw his picture. He just had gotten to the orphanage. Um, our son had um, a mother and a father. Um, they both were deceased. Both of them died. And the dad went to a neighboring country and passed away. And then the mother also passed away. in Kinshasa They they gave him to a pastor. Um, and he took him in his home for over two years. And cared for him. And then after two years, for whatever reason, they just said we couldn't do this anymore. So then they brought him to the orphanage. We He got there in November, and we immediately got matched with him. They showed us his picture um, right away. So that's a little bit of his background story.
0: Did they tell you what he was like? I mean, he suffered a lot of loss.
2: Uh, no, they, know they yeah, said they nothing of detail.
0: So you didn't know his personality <laughs> or his health? No. Did you know health?
2: Literally, it just said, here, he looks generally healthy. Here, he's maybe been maybe been tested for a couple of things, maybe he doesn't have AIDS or these hepatitis B and A. And, but other than that, we knew nothing. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, there was no there was no in-depth medical exam that they gave him or anything.
0: So if I'm listening to this story, I would be thinking, you guys run home, you pack your bags, and then you go get him and bring him home. <laughs>
1: But it wasn't like that, that. right? I'd love for that to be the story.
0: (laughs) So what happened after that? You're excited, this is your son, and now what?
1: And then uh, there's a suspension. (laughs) So we start the process uh, with our agency of going through the, you know, formalizing him as our son in country, in DRC. So there's a whole bunch of paperwork and court system and all that stuff that's involved. With them recognizing that we're we're now his parents, uh, so it's not that simple of a process. Um, but as we started that, the government suspended exit visas. So even if and when you know the court system recognized that we were his parents, he wouldn't be allowed to leave the country. And they they suspended exit visas for all children. So any child over there in whatever state of adoption they were was stuck.
0: What year was this?
1: Twenty fourteen, I guess. Something like that.
0: Was this the first suspension?
1: It was not. So when the when this happened, our agency told us, Oh, you know, the last time this happened, it lasted like a month. So no worries. Continue forward. Um yeah. Like they, they put us at ease when that notice went out. I don't. Uh, no big deal.
0: I don't understand that because if you're saying that you're matched, you finished all the paperwork. He's legally your son, correct?
1: Mhm.
0: How can they say you can't have him? He can't go out of the country
2: because the government said you can't go out of the country. That's why, because the government told us that we cannot leave with our child because there were suspicions of other people who were maybe selling their adopted children for organs back wherever they adopted them, or there are people who um, were who smuggling their children out of the country. There were people who um, maybe said they were um, not hetero, that they were gay, and they did not say that in the thing, and they had a rule against that. And so they felt like they'd kind of been duped, is kind of what they, the government would say. And so that's why they put a very a big halt on the process where it was a very quick process, maybe a four-month process total from start to finish in the country. It went to a very, very slow process to doing in-depth checks.
1: And at this point, he's he's still a, a Congolese citizen, even if he's our son. So, I mean, there was a lot of times during this when we were like, well, can we just get citizenship, American citizenship? And then, you know, then we can look at it as their government is keeping an American hostage in that but that never happened. But that's that's why they could make that rule and make it stick is his passport was still DRC and they needed to stamp it and they wouldn't stamp it, basically.
0: Okay, so when did you decide to go over and meet him?
2: After we saw his patronal member, we were praying during this whole time, of course, that his suspension would lift and there was a lot of talk that hopefully it would and that's what you're praying, so you're kind of holding off even though you wanted to go. Plus, it's very, very expensive to go to Africa. Um, But our agency offered a trip, and then my mom and I went for the first time. We went in, we saw his picture in November. We went in August to see him for 10 days, and that was the first time we went, and then we went a second and third time, too.
0: What was it like to meet him for the first time? (sighs)
2: So overwhelming. My heart was, oh... After so much loss, after so much hardship and trials, to finally see our son and to touch him and to see his little face, this one that I've just seen a picture of um, that has been monthly, to be able to hold him in my arms. It was just the most overwhelming, amazing feeling. But yet I also had to prepare myself that he has had little information about us. And that, you know, he's not going to run to my arms and say, mommy, mommy, you know, right. And which I love, but um, that he might just look at me. But he, it was just the most amazing thing to embrace him and hug him and tell him I am his mom and that I love him and we pray for him and we can't wait for him to come home.
0: Has he ever seen at this point a white person? Uh,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe uh, We did send a photo album of us. Um, So that maybe would be the only time that he'd ever seen a white person. So how did
0: he He never left the four walls? How did he respond to you?
2: Um, He is by nature with new people, especially and in culture wise with adults, you just kind of look down and just kind of be seen but not heard. And so he kind of just put his head down and just kind of stood there. But as the week went on and as we played and as we did that, then you start seeing some of his personality and him opening up and him maybe receiving some touch even because he's never been held. He's never been cuddled. He's never been touched. And he was just starting to open up and to receive some of that. And then it's it's really difficult because then you have to say goodbye. So he just starts to open up a little bit, and then you have to say goodbye. So it's really hard.
0: I do not know how you did that. I do not know how you got on a plane. But I mean, your heart yes. was in two different places because you have biological children here and then you have a son there. And so you have to make that choice. How did he respond with you leaving?
2: Um, he didn't understand. He's very used, like you said, to the first part in the first part of the segment loss. He's used to change. He's used to adapting to whatever situation he's been given without choice. So he just took it, he didn't understand it. Um, I didn't even know if he would say anything, but I did find out after that he was saying, where is my mommy? When is she coming back from me? Some of the people told me when they went to go visit him after that, he would say that. Now, the second time I went, Ryan and I went, and he very much cried after we left. He cried. That attachment was starting to form.
0: Ryan, what was it like the first time you saw him?
1: Oh, yeah, it was was surreal. You see this boy... Thankfully, Nicole had been there, so we got to see a little um, like FaceTime stuff when she was over there. So seeing him move, hearing him talk, um, but just watching him warm up to us and it it was surreal. I I don't know how other what other word to use. Like this is my son. This is the son I've been carrying around in a picture and showing off to everybody, and now I'm with him. Um, It was it was amazing.
0: I get more comments from dads who say, I don't know if I could love a child that's not mine. And so I think you're just speaking into that and saying it's absolutely possible. And when you saw him, he was your son.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I was, I was scared of that too. Going into this was like, I love my three girls. I love them. You know, they are mine. So, you know, and I think every, whether it's biological or through adoption, You always have that thought of, how can I love another as much as I love these? And, you know, is is it going to be different? Is it going to be weird? Because he's not biological, because, you know, I haven't had him since day one, all of that. And just once I met him, and it was the same thing as seeing, you know, a birth. It was like my heart grew a bigger size, and that much more love poured out of it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know that was possible, but it it is.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So when you find out all this information that you can't bring him home, but you have now met him, he's now connected to you, you're connected to him. What was your family trying to decide to do next?
2: We, um, we... As we were just getting a little, like, we had pictures and those sort of things, and we got these, they just started because the suspension was on so long, we could see him on Skype for 10 minutes um, one, one time a week. And we could just tell as we were seeing him through Skype, like, this is not what a parent does. This is not what, what we do at all. This is, this is, if our other girls were over there at this long and separated from us, would we not go there Get them, as, as it doesn't seem like there were suspensions letting up, as we kept praying for it to, do and hoping it would, so we could bring him home. We just knew that we needed to do something. So Ryan and I prayed, and we decided that I and I would go, and my youngest daughter would go to live in Congo with our son until we could bring him home legally. So at this point, how old is your youngest? Our our son, our son is six at this time. He just turned six.
0: And then, how old is your daughter?
2: Um, Claire is seven at the
0: time. The youngest one was, the youngest daughter was seven. seven. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that is a long time because, you know, when we were starting the story, when you're going to the DRC, she was only three. So it's been three. four years mm-hmm. of this whole process. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you guys are all going to go. You two are going to go and be with him, and Dad's going to stay home with the older two daughters. Yep. Yep.
2: Yes, Yeah. Very difficult, very hard. But, yes, we're going to do this. And here we go to a third world country and live there until... Um, We could get the letter, and um, by God's grace, we got the letter. They started releasing children in March, um, and in February, beginning of March, and um, we were on the second list, and we were able to come home after 40 days of living in country with our son.
0: Forty days? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a miracle number, right? <laughs> yes, it is. That's amazing. So 40 days, you get your letter to come home, mm-hmm. and you were, you didn't know. It could have been six months.
1: It could have been. Some people have been yeah, it two years we went already. into it, having no idea how long this would be. I mean, there was, I was already researching, trying to find jobs over there, housing. You know, if it came to the point, we, we had a date where if, Things weren't looking good. We were all going to move over there.
0: How is your marriage surviving through all of this? I mean, that's a lot to take to separate and to be fighting for children. And how were you two doing?
2: We, by God's grace, he, as, as you heard just in the beginning of our story, when God was calling us to adopt, he's putting that on my heart. But through that, then we had, I, we had two more losses after that. Right then, God was preparing our hearts, but we were not ready marriage wise to be able to go through what God was calling us to do. He was preparing us. He was preparing us for this journey. And by God's grace, we had that. We had a sure foundation in Him and we'd grown much stronger together as a unit that we could do this. I was longing for my husband. <laughs> I hated being separated, I felt trapped. It was very weird going to be trapped in a third world country and waiting for them to give you permission to leave. It was a very isolating feeling. And so um, just to be able to tell that to my husband, for him to be missing me and taking care of the kids, it was very, very hard. All we could do is just trust the Lord that he would work, look forward to the next time we will get together and believe that God would bring us together soon.
0: So you get your exit letter, you're on a plane, you're bringing him home, what was that first encounter like? You get off the plane and your whole family is together finally.
1: Uh, it, was, it was a heart melt there. I, well, when we brought him home, um, just through some behaviors that he displayed over there, Nicole said, I need you to help us fly home. Uh, so I, you know, as soon as we got that letter, I got passports and visas, all that stuff set up for me. And, um, you yeah, know, that took, I think a week, which was painful because she knew she could leave, but she couldn't leave without me. Um, so I went, got all that done, got my ticket booked, flew over, you know, took the two day trip over there. I think I got in, I don't know, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and turned around and flew with everybody home the next day. Um you know, for the two hour flight back. So I was, I was there and back and leaving our two eldest with their grandparents was tough, but also exciting at the same time with knowing, you know, Hey, the next time I see you, I'm going to have your mom, your little sister and your brother. And, uh, we're going to finally be complete.
0: You changed his name, right?
1: Yep. His name is Derek Philip Amado Blazik.
0: And how is he doing in the family?
2: Derek is doing very well. The first times in Congo were very difficult. He was trying to see who I am and what did that mean. We had a lot of fits, a lot of meltdowns, a really hard without Ryan being there. And it lasted probably a month and a half to two months, two and a half months after. But now he just, he just I don't know, he just knows that we love him and that he is ours forever, as God of it that um he's just adjusted now and he just feels loved and cared for and he's doing exceedingly well and we're just so thankful to god for that
0: when did you bring him home has he been home a year
2: we brought him home march 12 so he's been home a little over six months and have you finalized yet we finalized october 25th yay yes congratulations thank you we're so excited
0: Any adoptive family can tell you the day that you finalize is a party. I'm telling you the moment the judge says your child's full name and it's your name and you have fought tooth and nail everything and all of a sudden it's over. I, I can't tell you, like I had this huge party for every child. I mean, it's just such Mm -hmm. a celebration and people around you are going to celebrate with you because they've seen that you have answered that call, like you said. And when things got hard, you didn't give up and you kept going, And even though your family was all separated and people just can't understand why you would want to do that. And now here it is. We're weeks away from, from this being over and you did it. Amen. Thank God's grace.
1: Amen.
0: I'm so glad that you are on the show. Thank you so much for finding us and applying and telling us your story because it's very encouraging in so many aspects of the journey. And you you did well. You did it.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. God is good. And we're just so grateful to share. Thank you for letting us
1: share
2: our story.
0: Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.